Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I am speaking with a trailblazer. Chantelle Carter is the founder of Love and Nudes, a lingerie company that she started in 2017 for women with darker skin tones. And we talk about what inspired her to start the company, first of all, which is a wild story. We talk about what it means to be seen or not seen in the industry you work in, about what it means to be a Black woman in the fashion industry. And she has some really raw, really insightful things to say about being a business owner and when other companies, larger companies start to take up some of your space. I'm so glad you're here. This conversation is amazing. Let's get to it. Chantelle Carter, founder of Love and Nudes, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Donna. I'm really excited to be here. It's such a pleasure. And, you know, where I'd like us to kind of start the conversation is tell me what you love about fashion. Like, what is it that that drew you to this industry and what keeps you here? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I've had a love affair with fashion, sometimes a hate affair with it, too. But I'll start with my love affair. (laughs) And I'm not the first person to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It comes from my mom. I I see that more and more. I grew up in fashion. I was born and raised in Montreal. My mom was in the garment industry. So I was always pretty much exposed to fashion, what was going on in the city, sample sales. And I was always dressed really cute from a very young age. So it's the the creativity of fashion. And um, it allows me to differentiate myself. I think that was huge for me be creative and uh, differentiate myself. Like, for example, I remember I was, I was in the gap one time and I was looking at, um, looking at something on the rack and the salesperson came over to me and she's like, Oh yeah, everybody's getting that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Thanks. Bye. I'm out. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want what everybody else has. So, um, Yeah, I love fashion because it allows me to be free and creative. And in a society sometimes where we're, you know, you got to conform to be a certain way. So I hear you talking about like harnessing that that power of dressing that is more than just I've got to cover my like flesh and bones to protect it from, you know, the rain, the wind, the sun. Can you paint a picture of like maybe what you were wearing or, or is there a moment where you were really aware that fashion was more than just clothes to cover your body, where you kind of had that spark of, I see what this is? Um, yes, I, I think that happened for me in high school. <laughs> And it's, again, it it was about, I really remember a particular outfit that I had. And for me, it was about 
standing out and being ahead of the trend or um, at the beginning of the trend. Uh, that was really, now that I, I'm speaking it out loud, that's what it was, being ahead, different, mm-hmm. or at the beginning of a trend. And I remember I was the first person to have um, acid wash. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Acid wash. Yeah, jeans. you were. <laughs> And hear this, it wasn't blue, it was black. That was like a no. <laughs> you know, everybody eventually got blue, but I had black first from head to toe. And what did that mean for you? Like, what, does, what did that mean in terms of like how you felt about yourself, how you moved through the day? Like, I can Ugh. hear the energy and the like, yeah, I did in your voice. I did. Yeah, I loved it because it signified for me, it was like, it was like power. I felt powerful. I felt in like an individual like to the next level. Of course, I'm an individual, but I felt, I just mm-hmm, felt mm-hmm. different, powerful, um, noticeable, um, coveted, because it's like, well, mm-hmm. where did you get that? Or eyes on me. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how, that's how yeah. I felt. And to me, that was really powerful in that moment in and time is- of wearing that. And is that part of what drew you into working as a stylist in some of the other roles that that predated, you know, starting Love and Nudes, you know, being able to share or, you know, reharness that sense of, of power either for yourself or maybe for those that you were working with? I think that's exactly it. In those words that I wouldn't have been able to say <laughs> For myself. So thank you for saying that. It's like harnessing that power for myself and sharing it with, with, with others. Um, I always gave advice to my friends about what to wear. And it's like, well, well, why don't you try that with this? And they, how much they appreciated it. And I wanted to take it to the next level, like in styling. It's like, I had no idea how to get into that field, but I was always curious about in the um, the fashion magazines and ads, like, well, who's dressing these people? (laughs) Somebody must be doing it. And I was really curious about it because I knew I could do it and I could do even better than what I was seeing. So, um, that's why I pursued it. And it was a very, it was a creative outlet for me. I felt like um, styling and dressing um, gave me permission to be who I was and share that with other people without, without being um, kept down or stifled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was your experience like, you know, you talked about your, your love affair and your hate affair with the fashion industry when you were on set and starting to work in like the capital F fashion (laughs) industry proper, did both those sides still like, were they both part of your reality working in the industry? I would say yes. Uh, because I saw, I think I, 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 I though I, I loved, I remember I was working at a magazine called Style Magazine, which gave uh, retailers um, 
trend forecasts, kind of like what to buy for their stores in the coming seasons. I loved putting that together and uh, working with the um, the editor and she would give us the story and I'd have to go out and find the things that went sometimes things that weren't even there. That was my hate affair too, because we were always working yeah. ahead. So that was hard. Um, but I loved being able to put my signature and bring the words that she wrote to life. And it was about being creative. I love that. And, and, and all the new thoughts that would flow into my head and I would find a way to express them and then see the finished product that was, or the finished, like the photo shoot. And it's like, oh my gosh, that was great. And sometimes I was like, oh, that wasn't so great, but that's okay. <laughs> you know? So I hated that too, but that's part of the process. Um, However, I also saw um, a, a more ugly side to fashion when I was working as a, as a stylist. As I started to get more immersed in that culture, I, I saw <clears throat> that how cliquey it was and how disingenuous it could be and how models were treated and the expectations of what they would look like or how they would come, like they would go to go sees and to, they would show up at photographer studios to kind of show themselves. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, thanks. But it was like, wow, that, <laughs> that part is really ugly. I, I didn't enjoy that. Part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, You've started this amazing company, Love and Nudes, and I'd like for you to share, this is a story that, you know, you've talked about in many interviews you've done before, but about, you know, the journey and I would say the creativity that you had to find within yourself to create this, this new company. Like what was the need you were filling and, and what was your journey to get there? <laughs> Okay. I, I was yeah. feeling my, trying to fill my need to be yeah, created. Yeah, talk about that. By creating yeah. Love and Nudes. I was frustrated um, because, because I was so immersed in, in, in fashion, especially as a stylist. Um, people were talking about, or journalists and magazines were talking a lot about new trends. And every time they would talk about it, it would just be like a beige tone. And I kept waiting mm -hmm. to see um, nudes that looked like mine and my other melanated sisters. Because I was like, well, what about the other nudes? It's not, it's not only, only beige. And um, I loved lace. I really, I love, love, love lace. And I, um, I wanted to look like the white girls had. I wanted to have, I wanted to look like it was my skin. Mm -hmm under my lace top, but it drove me crazy that I couldn't achieve this because I could only find beige things that didn't go with my skin, skin mm -hmm. tone. And sometimes I'd even see the black girl wearing the, <laughs> wearing the lace top <laughs> with the beige thing under it. And I'm like, I don't think you, you see, it's like, she doesn't know. She just thinks that right. she could have liked that look, but to me, it just looked like, that's not for you. It was not the look you were going for. Like, no, but you, this is what you wanted was presented. something different. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like that was the only option this woman that we were given, this woman was given. So she went with it because she didn't know any, any, any better. But I had wondered mm-hmm. if there was like another, the same top with her skin tone color, what would she have gravitated to if nude was equally marketed to all skin tones? So I was like curious about that. I saw so many things where it's like that black girl's wearing beige shoes and she was a cheerleader. And I was like, all the other white girls were wearing beige shoes. I get it. It makes their legs look long. But this poor black girl, she had no clue. She has these this, this beige shoe on and her skin tone is dark. And it's like, no. And that hurt me when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And I was tired of compromising. You know, and then eventually what I did is I, I found a white bra and panty and I painted it my skin tone color just so I could have the look that I wanted. How comfortable those prototypes must have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, they weren't. They weren't at all. They, they were really uncomfortable. But it's like I didn't care yeah. at the time because it's like it gave me the look that I wanted. And I felt like, well, that's the only option I have. Until I said, well, that's why this is, this is, this is crazy that I have to do this and no one should have to do this. And that's like, things started to percolate. Do I really have to accept this? I I wasn't happy also in my career at the time. I was like, I got out of styling and I was working in corporate and I was like, this isn't for me. So I spent a lot of years in misery. (laughs) Also doing things mm-hmm. I didn't want to do. And I really wanted to get back into fashion, but not where I was before. Cause I didn't like that either. That was my hate relationship, the ugliness behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Um, so I knew I had to create my own opportunity. And I, I think that's what actually, I know that's what made my experience and, and having to create my own opportunity that brought not love and nudes to light uh, for me. And when like love and nudes is, you know, so it's solving this issue of, you know, having undergarments that match more skin tones, dark skin tones. And, and I want to ask you two questions there. I mean, the first thing I want to ask about is about language, because we talk about dark skin tone, we talk about BIPOC, we talk about racialized. What is, what is the language that you that you prefer that you think is, is the most respectful language to use when referring to, to the community that you're serving? You know, like a a lot of us have, like, there's, I I know it's confusing for many of us, even within our communities, Mm -hmm. because some people within our community believe that we shouldn't be called black because that was given to us by our slave, like slave masters and it's derogatory but I don't know. That's just what I know. And that's what most of my community ref- like refers to. I don't have the answer. Uh, I know what it does, what doesn't offend me. Being called black doesn't offend me. But I notice that mm-hmm. with uh, sometimes with conversations with white people, I'll never forget. I was working in a store, a retail store years ago, and there's another black girl that worked with me. And this woman came in the mm-hmm. store and she was looking for her. But she didn't want to say she was black. She goes, okay, she was tall. She said she was describing her as tall and this. And she had brown hair. I was like, oh, frig, everybody has brown hair. And yeah. she, 
that's not helping me. You know what I mean? Yeah, help me. Yeah, she was she yeah. was beating around the bush. And I was like, was she black? <laughs> She's like, yes. I was like, oh my gosh. Why didn't she just say that? Yeah, I guess start there, was, please. <laughs> but she was... I guess afraid to. So we like felt we spent ten minutes to, uh, trying to figure out who the hell are you talking about when there was only one mm. other black girl there. <laughs> and she said, "Oh yeah, she's black." The other, you know, she could have just said that. So I know some people are like nervous about what to say. <sighs> However, I just think speak from your heart. If you're really genuinely speaking from your heart, there's. You can't go wrong. We we know what's derogatory, like the N-word and stuff like that. Uh, but to me, black mm-hmm, is not mm-hmm. a derogatory. And if you're unsure, ask. <laughs> you know? That's all yeah. that's all I can really say about that. Cause it's like I don't have the I don't want to say educated enough. I don't have the answers to exactly. Yeah. how to address certain things. Cause it's like, I'm still learning as I go along as well. But mm-hmm. the only thing I'm going to say is that like silence is complicit. And if you, f- and if you feel something is wrong, don't do it. If you're not sure, ask, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's kind of how, what I have to say about that. The BIPOC black, yeah, it, it's a, it's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, you know, you have you've created this this line of undergarments for for dark skinned women. You often talk about how it is more than just about the undergarments. There is this empowerment element to it. And I could hear you talking about that as you're talking about your own experience with like, I wanted to be able to wear the things the way <laughs> I wanted to wear it. Tell me more about what that access means. Like, why is it so important to be able to have the tools to express yourself the way you want to express yourself? I believe it's important to have the tools to express yourself because the way you want to, because it fosters creativity, it fosters confidence. It um, when you have access to that, what you can create and who you can be is limitless. But when you're limited, mm-hmm. it just it can it can keep you small. Yes. So 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 that's what it's about. It's more than just about like putting on underwear. Um, However, you know, underwear, it's the foundation to our garments, our underpinnings, like help carry the clothes and, and, and make them mm-hmm. look, look good. If you're wearing a bad bra or, or, or the wrong bra or the wrong underwear, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can ruin your outfit, make you look fatter. It just all kinds of things can go haywire. So I wanted to be, I wanted to uh, show women of color that, that we matter. I see you, you're important. Mm. You deserve the way to deserve to express yourself um, any way that you choose. You deserve functionality. You deserve not to have to worry about, okay, can I buy this top that I want? 
because what the hell am I going to wear with it? You deserve to get up in the morning and get dressed quick, fast, because you have something nude instead of putting on the top and realize, oh shit, this doesn't work. It's showing through my, my, my top. What do I do? <laughs> do I change the top? Do I try to change the bra and I'm already running behind? And finally, because of the society that we live in and we weren't included, this is about bringing women of color who are like usually shoved in the background to the forefront with acknowledgement. And this is something, an, an armor for, for us to put on every day before we leave to remind us that we're visible and we matter because the mm -hmm. microaggressions out there that we face every day is crazy. And I wanted them to have a foundation when they start every day to remember who you are, who we are and how important we are. And that don't take that bullshit. I Come think on. what you're expressing. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Respectfully. Yeah, respectfully. Um, I think what you're describing is is like you are you are like in a nutshell, like articulating the power of fashion. That like like what we put on our body, it matters. It it impacts how we feel about ourselves, about how we present ourselves to the world, that it is it is more, it is far more than just about like style or, or, you know, protection from the elements that it, it represents so much more than just, you know, what I feel like wearing today. It does. It, it, it does. And it gives you the, the, the option, like what I feel like wearing today is also powerful. If I feel like wearing mm -hmm. that thing, <laughs> And I don't have anything to wear it with because I had stuff in my closet like that. And it bugged me because that thing was, I bought that thing trying to figure out how it would make it work. <laughs> but I didn't have yeah. the other pieces to put in place, but I wanted to wear it. And it bugged me for it because I want to wear that, but I can't, you know, eventually I had to get rid of it. So that is still important. It's like, whatever I feel like doing that's not harming anybody else. Let me preface that. <laughs> I want to be able to do it. My style yeah, is it's important. About feeling valued. Yeah, feeling valued. My, my style is important to me. It could change tomorrow, but let me have the option to figure that out the way I need to figure it out. You know, that, that, that's all it is. I, I, I want to be able to be creative. I want people to be able to be, be who they are. So they can live their best lives possible. Because mm -hmm. when you when you don't have that option in one area that's important to you, it could it starts showing up in different areas of your life. And I know it sounds crazy yeah. because it's something like fashion. Sometimes people think fashion is frivolous and stupid, but it's not. For me, it never has been. It's been a way to Create, be creative and express myself. Well, and to that point, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, fashion as an instrument for, for personal change, for social change, for cultural change, for economic change? 
How do you see those things intersecting? Yeah. Okay. So now that I'm in the business of fashion by by creating a product, you know, there's different challenges that go into that. And I saw how fashion, the industry, the way it was, how racist it really was. I, I, I never thought about that because it's, it was like the, the, the narrative was just this. Like mm-hmm. white skin is important. It's the only important skin. It's, it's, it's what's right. And furthermore, it's perpetuated by what was available to us. Different tones of beige. That's it. The end. Yeah. So there's that. Done and done. <laughs> yeah. And then you see the makeup, you know, makeup, clothing. Yeah. Beauty and fashion. And, you know, when I came up with this idea in my head and it, 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 it hung around for years in my head and I fought it because I thought it was, well, it's so simple. Why, why isn't anybody just make, just make brown bras, someone, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but how is it possible? I'm the one having this idea. Surely, surely, surely this is all up there already. <laughs> I'm not that smart. I'm smart, but I'm not that smart. Like, come on. So uh, like, so I struggled because I was like, I thought something was wrong with me. My, my, my thought process, there, there might be a reason that it's not there, you know, that I just can't see until I was like, nah. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to pursue it, I saw another level of kind of a, like oppression or like that made me question things, you know, because I, I had an, because there's, there isn't people like me, we have so much buying power in the trillions of dollars, mm-hmm. like, like black women, especially we're very hair, beauty, clothes, we're spending. And mm-hmm. yet you don't get to see people like us in the background of that, that industry that we contribute so much to. So, you know, it made as me a insecure. business owner, were you were you starting to see like as when when you are now like you know approaching buyers and retailers as a business person did you feel like you were kind of seeing behind the curtain a little bit like it's like oh man i'm now like watching the inner workings and damn yes yes uh yes because it's like i still saw a lot of it's just whiteness behind the scenes and i was like how can this be black people are mm-hmm. social our, our, our pop culture, we influence trends and, and language and dressing and hair and makeup, but yet there's no one that looks like me behind the scenes. And then also, you what Black brands were there back then that are really out there? Like, it, it, it was hard to, to find and, and, and sift through. Even things like when I was mm-hmm. trying to promote um, on Facebook, I want to promote to people of color. Can't do that because that's racist. And I was like, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> yeah, we couldn't uh, promote to people of color or Black people initially. So that was another barrier. I had a an investor tell me when I approached him with my idea he said to me, oh my gosh, that's, that's so many skews. 
because I have four skin tone colors in my product line. So SKUs mean like um, different like stock numbers. Your options. Yeah, stock options. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's so many SKUs. That's too many SKUs for a store to carry. Where are they going to put all this? Where would they put all this inventory? And for him, it was business. But for me, I didn't get it because I was like, well, there's different colors of all kinds of different colors in bras and panties. Why are different shades of brown an issue now? Because it's within one product line. I didn't get it. And in that moment, I heard that I wasn't relevant and I didn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's how it landed for me. And that was really like, wow, eye-opening. And because later on, I know a woman that was in the uh, underwear business who was heavily invested in, and she came out with a nude line after I did. And I was like, wow, look at that. <laughs> like, And you raise a really, like, I think important, but you know, a point that probably has some, well, not probably, it does have tension. Like talk to me about being, you know, a, a, a black business owner who's servicing the dark skinned community. And then you see other bigger, predominantly white organizations pivot to service the, the dark skinned community. Like, Talk to me about that a bit, Chantal, because that's got to be, and I, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, so I know it's like, oh, this is messy. Because <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it is messy. Me about that. It's, it's, it's messy. It's, it's, on the other hand, like, it's the way it should have been from the, from time, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And though I appreciate that people are coming on board, I also don't appreciate it, to be to be honest, because mm-hmm. I wonder what is behind that. You know, is it a trend? Because it's like my life, our lives are not a trend. This mm-hmm. is my life. This is our life. Our lives, our livelihood. Um, we've been oppressed as a people economically. Um socially, you know, continuously. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it just brings me back to how my parents had to struggle when they got here. We had to pretend, navigate, find our way behind, through the back door, through the, just to get anything done. And it's like, or just to be seen. And these institutions that had a chance to see Other people didn't see other people that didn't look like them. So the timing is very suspect. But then people will argue, well, if not now, not when? And I don't have the answer. I understand. Mm -hmm. we got to start somewhere. However, I am totally on board with Aurora James, that um, designers, that designer who said the the 15%. Yeah, that 15% pledge, Mm -hmm. like, you need to have 15% of, um, of, 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 of merchandise from the BIPOC community, please. Because it's like, yeah, I've grown up seeing it all my life 
You know, I'm sick and tired of the, the white organizations profiting off of my people, our trends, you know, our style and being, we don't have as many resources to, to fight back. So, yeah. and um, like, oh, you know, sometimes you'll see people hailing. I remember, oh, hailing L'Oreal. Oh, look, they're being so inclusive. They have all these colors. And I was like, oh, fuck that, man. <laughs> you know what? No one sees the friggin' the, the, the black girl behind the scenes who's been trying to provide for the, those colors for her communities or the mm-hmm. other small black brands that maybe can't get money, mm-hmm. can't get capital or whatever to help them expand because nobody believes in them. But yet when the white company comes on, they, they see the, the, the trend, which is not a trend for us, and they pick it up. Mm-hmm. And now they say, oh, we're being inclusive. It drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's, I it's can hard. The... <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard for sure. because it's like, yeah, maybe some people are really trying to be inclusive because it's hard to to know a problem that's not yours. I get that too, because like I'll tell white people, it's like, oh, they said, there's there's nothing like that. There's no brown bras. They're like, no. I'm like, no to them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. I was like, well, it's, it, it would be hard for you to notice because it's not a problem for yeah. you. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's hard. Like I feel, on one hand, I feel, I feel bad getting mad. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like, well, this was my life. And yeah. now I feel like you're coming in and trying to take something more from us. Like, w- like where does it stop? <laughs> <laughs> So I want to I want to ask you. So let's pretend you know, Chantel Carter, you run the world, and <laughs> you know because I hear I hear you saying like that big company that is now deciding to like have you know darker skin toned undergarment like, ugh, like you didn't do it before. I've been doing it before. What would be another way for that company? Like let's assume that company wants to do the right thing. They're doing this because they're like, oh my god you know, my eyes have been opened. We haven't been, you know, equitable with our product offerings. What would be your suggestion where how that could unfold in a more equitable way? Um, I think by probably collaborating with a Black brand that is already doing something like that to help give them the, the exposure um, mm-hmm. for them. And for their brand, um, hiring, you know, black people to like in their, in the background. But for me, and mm-hmm. I guess I'm being biased because I have a brand, collaborate <laughs> with a black, <laughs> a black yeah. brand. No, it's to your lens. This. Like, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's exactly, it's our lens. Don't just go and do it. You know, yeah, it, it, it just looks, I, <laughs> it just looks disingenuous. I would suggest you're not the only one to have experienced this, right? Like I bet if we, you know, were to dig a little further, there are many, you know, you, you know, business owners of of other races that have been like doing their thing for X amount of time only to see a possibly larger, but definitely white organization 
start to, you know, be more diverse and inclusive, but in doing so, they they actually take away from the business of the the racialized person that's been doing it all along. And I hear you saying that that's a problem. It is. In my view, that's a problem. And we've been so conditioned to not have. And, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of mental work we have a, have a people and trauma that we have to get past and work through. We have have been so conditioned to not have, to um, only be, oh, only, you know, only this person, one Black person is allowed in this forum <laughs> amongst the white people. And, you know, we're so conditioned to not having, <laughs> you know, not mm-hmm. having enough. So there's scarcity mentality as well. Um Mm-hmm. There can be within our community because I remember when I started my 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 line, you know, and um, you know somebody said, "Oh well, this big company came out with with it now. What are you going to do?" And it's like, "Why? <laughs> so what? There's only room for <laughs> there's only room for them, you know." So I had to get past that because I was fearful of that too. Oh my god, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, another person is doing this um this uh skin tones that skin tone bra line. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to me because I know our community is kind of like that. We you know, we've been trained like that. So mm-hmm. it's this it's 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 getting over that. I I I'm I'm getting over that now. It's like it doesn't matter. There's room for everybody. You know, but it's like we need a leg yes. up. And I, I'm not asking for handouts and I'm not saying, um, oh, white companies don't work hard or this person didn't work hard, but it's like the, we need to be able to swim with the current too for a friggin' change instead of it swimming. We're always swimming at gate. We've always swam against the current and had to find the back door and this and that. It's like, it's, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And watch people like profit. When the... Yeah. <laughs> profit off me. No, because my people. Because when the pie gets bigger, so should everybody's piece of it. It's yes. There's room for everyone, right? There's room for everybody. You know, there's this kind of like culture where the, oh, there's only room, you know. Yeah, there's only room for this. And I don't believe that's true. I believe in God. I believe in abundance. I believe in there's enough. There's enough. Mm -hmm. And um, we just need a leg up, you know, and a little, not handouts, but like help (laughs) to move, like to move forward. Access. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm hearing you say like, you know, to, 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 to bring it back to, you know, why you started Love and Nudes in the first place. It's about the access because when we have access and you have that sense of like, you know, value and deservingness that pushes you forward in all sorts of areas of the world. Well, that's true for the business as well, right? The business needs access, not just the individuals in order for the health of that business to, to flourish. And then for all of the ripples that that will have, socially, economically, culturally, personally. 
thank you for saying it for those words that I couldn't again couldn't find. Yes, it's 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 a, it's a ripple effect. It really really is because it's like because now I'm on the other side and I'm seeing like okay, there's bar- oh god, there's this there's barriers here too, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would like to see change in that, and I will keep pushing forward to 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 see that happening. You know, because there's a lot of injustice. There's there is a lot of injustices happening at the expense of um, suppressed communities. You know, so yeah. There's work. I hear you saying there's there's like there's a boatload of work still to be done, Chantel. Do you still love fashion? Like, are you still like? I do. Is the love affair still alive? It is. It's come back. This I started prettying up myself <laughs> again. Last year was like, because it was a heavy yeah. year. It was heavy for everybody, right? But um, yeah. this year I've like found my pretty again. And um, what I love about fashion in this instant, in this era, is how there's not a there, there's not a set of rules. As I like, I grew up with rules. You don't wear, look, Mm -hmm, I'm wearing mm -hmm. a whole white outfit. (laughs) Okay. The material is fallized. Yeah. After Labor Day. Okay. The material (laughs) is a little heavier. It's not summer material, (laughs) but you know, when I was growing up, you don't wear white after Labor Day. That's a no. (sighs) And you don't wear it before uh, May long weekend either. You know what I mean? You only have permission between this time and like this time and this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now things are a little bit more loose and, and, and flexible and we can express ourselves more, not just according to what the trend is. For me now, the trend is just what keeps things fresh. It's not the, it's not the Bible where before it was more the Bible. This is the trend. This is what you're wearing. <laughs> That's what I grew up in. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me what you wear to feel your best. Like, let's make it a little bit personal. When you're like, when you want to like harness all of that, like positive energy that this thing called fashion can give us. And I, pre- and it could change from day to day, but like, what are some of the things where you're like, oh, I know when I put this on, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to like rock it out. Um, yeah. I have so much fun with denim. I love how far denim has come. <laughs> I remember when I um like like rocking out jeans in different ways, jean dress, jean skirt, yeah. just jeans, like mom jeans. <laughs> jeans, 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 yeah. high-waisted jeans. Um uh, a jean top, a jean halter top, you know, because I'm in a, a time where I'm a little bit more casual, but I can also dress it up too. I remember uh, at work when I was still in corporate, <laughs> we couldn't wear jeans to work, but I still wore jeans <laughs> because I had, I got around that by having denim yeah. trousers. I was like, fuck that. I'm wearing, these are like dress pants. Yeah. So they're these jeans. These have a pleat and, sli- and side hit, you know, slit pockets. This is a trouser. This is not a jean. Thank you. You know what I mean? So I got around that where people would be complaining, oh, well, how come she gets to wear jeans? Because I know (laughs) how to rock fashion. 
<laughs> yeah. So being breaking the rules and being creative with fashion gets my juices like flowing. Color. Um, you know, being able to wear like different colors, that gets my uh juices flowing. Finding an atypical way to wear things instead of what's normally seen, <laughs> that makes me feel powerful. And, yeah. um, and yeah, and, and being able to rock out some weird thing. <laughs> and I kind of modernized it, you know, like yeah. I found a pair of like harem pants that are pretty much to the ground in Montreal. And it's like, I just love them. Like I wear them with my high top Converse. This and it was. It's not the typical Converse, and I wear them with my yeah. my puffed jean jacket with my puffs my puff sleeve. It makes me feel so creative and wonderful, and yeah, yeah, just creative and you know, oh, I love it. It's it's it's. it's I know. It's, I can feel it. <laughs> It's ins- it's it's inspiring. It's really inspiring mm-hmm. to be able to, yeah, like all of, like, that's that. I I I know I'm rambling now, but I I just get so excited. That makes me powerful. Being able to wear color, wearing things that are really different. I'm wearing t a t shirt right now, a sleeveless t shirt with shoulder pads. <laughs> you know, You're fierce, like, girl. I I I I love like the little details that make something. Um, different and yeah that makes me feel amazing and that's the love affair that I have with fashion and 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 being able to find the things that light me up oh Chantel thank you so much for this insightful and an inspiring conversation if people want to find you want to know about more about love and nudes where can they find you uh they can find me at uh, love and nudes Dot com so that's l o v e a n d n u d e s dot com so they can find me there follow me on social on Instagram at love and nudes and um, on Facebook too at love and nudes and look out more stuff and these will all out. be in the show notes too exactly yes. so they'll be in the show notes find love and nudes. Chantel, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I really appreciate it. It's been amazing to speak with you. Oh, it's been so incredible to speak with you. Thank you for giving me a voice, for letting me, giving me permission to let it all (laughs) hang out on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I would love to connect with you on social. You can find me at Fashion Talks Pod on Instagram is the best place. If you have a moment to rate and review Fashion Talks on Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate it. It helps other people find the podcast. A big thank you to CAFA, the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, uh, the producing partner with Fashion Talks. You can find out more about CAFA and all the other things we've talked about today in the show notes. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me. Bye. Bye.